0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
1: Trigger warning. This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you're struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode.
2: I enjoyed bleeding on set. I enjoyed getting hurt, but not to the point where I couldn't work. Yeah. To the point where I would get attention, to the point where I could feel my pain. And I think that's the biggest thing. I could feel my pain. Okay. And for so long, I disassociated my pain. So I never actually fully felt it.
0: Hi, Survivors. I'm Tara
2: Newell.
1: And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad Podcast.
0: Yay, another episode in Happy Birthday, Collier. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Another year around the sun. Yes,
0: and I got you the LaCroix. I brought that over to you. Good times with LaCroix. You got it for a couple weeks now.
1: <laughs> um, I'm stocked up on LaCroix or LaCroix or however you pronounce it. Um, I'm good for the moment. I'm good. Yeah, and this is our, you know, for our audience, uh, this is the first episode that we've really filmed in my house. I mean, we had Rita Isabel here, but we didn't have any, like that was a, that was a, that was a mess this is a lot more (laughs) controlled but uh this is the first time we're sitting in my living room and we recorded with our guest today who is
0: kimberly shannon murphy she is a stunt woman of i believe 20 years in the industry at least 20 Mm -hmm. years in the industry and she's done so many amazing projects from what happens in vegas the lone ranger she's worked on savages
1: yeah, Jack Reacher, The Hunger Games, Men in Black Three, Night and Day, and you know a, a ton of stuff. She's done a ton of work, and she's very close with Cameron Diaz. And you guys had like a whole conversation about this. Oh right?
0: yes, about the goop salad at Crunch or like is the Crunch goop salad? Yes, that's it.
1: I was very confused by these things, but you know she has a really uh, a really intense story, and she wrote a book called Glimmer: A Story of Survival, Hope and healing, which is about her journey, healing herself from sexual trauma and abuse that she suffered at the hands of her grandfather. You know, obviously this deals with intergenerational trauma and others were also abused. It's uh, it's wild, but I mean, obviously it has a, a bright side to it. She came out okay. and um, And she's sharing her story with us today on the podcast.
0: I think it was really tough. I'm happy to have those moments in person. And if you are on our Patreon, you could see those moments in person that we had so i just love connecting with her i was able to give her a hug afterwards we cried had some good moments it was even better to have it in just like you know that camaraderie
1: yeah but it's a it's a tough story let's let her you know let's get into it what do you think
0: yes let's get into it When you were going through all those memories coming back, Mm -hmm. were you angry at points?
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was a very angry teenager. Yeah. Yeah. It's really. I love you for saying that. (laughs) I was a very angry teenager. Yeah. And I thought it was normal to be, you know, angry and hate my mom because I like hated my mom as a teenager. But now I see that what it actually was and why I was actually so angry with her she's the last person who i haven't who i decided to go no contact with and it's been about six months okay and it was really interesting when i i like to call it radical acceptance when i've gotten to a point where i've just i accept everybody for who they are where they are in their journey but i don't need to be a part of it or sit at the table and watch it play out anymore and that is how I got with my mom, which was really hard cause it's my mom. And of course you want to get yeah. that love and attachment from your mother. And when I told her that I just couldn't have a relationship with her, she, um, she was living close to me at the time. She put her house up for sale. She moved towards one of my other sisters and she just left my life in boxes in my garage, literally. Like I came home and there was just boxes of my whole entire childhood, which was sort of a gift in a way, because one of the boxes held all of the mother's day cards that I wrote her through Mm. my whole life. And every single card started with me apologizing for not being a good daughter. Wow. Every single one. I'm sorry that Like (laughs) I can't. Yeah. But it was, it was a gift in a way. Okay. Um, And if I was sitting here 20 years ago, I definitely wouldn't be saying that. I'd probably be cursing a lot, but it was a gift for me because for my mom to be able to disassociate like she can in order for her to survive, which is what she's done her whole life. And I know that, and I accept that. And then for me to see that I've been mothering my mother my whole life and apologizing for who I am my whole life. It just gave me even more affirmation that I'm doing the right thing with stepping away because I can't, you can't convince anyone to treat you better, especially your family. And that's what I felt like I was banging my head against the wall. Like, please don't do like trying to show them like don't treat me like this. This is, you know, this isn't normal. This does not feel right. And I do feel like there's that one person in everybody's family, right? Like the cycle breaker, the one person who isn't afraid to speak up and isn't afraid to talk The black up, sheep. Yeah. The <laughs> black sheep, the scapegoat, the cycle, all the things that's me. I'm all the things. And that's fine. And I accept that now. And, you know, I do get angry about it and it is really hard. I've lost my whole family and I've lost my whole family but if you were to talk to them it would be well Kim did A B C and D and that's fine but it's because of what our family is and because I'm speaking about it and they can't handle it and it's really sad because to live your life like that um I would never trade positions of being a scapegoat at all.
1: <laughs> Why don't you just get over it?
2: Yeah. Just Why move don't on. you
1: just get over it? Why can't you move on? Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that's the thing I got from my family. Well, why is he always talking about this? I'm like, I'm not always talking about it. Trust me, I don't want to. But, you know, I was the whistleblower against my father. I, the reason why he got arrested, I heard the murder happen, and the reason why he's in prison. I mean, he's the real reason, but. Of course. You know what I'm saying? And I lost, I, I went into the foster care system. I lost both sides of my family. How they old were, were you? I was 11 when I heard the murder happen, and 12 when it went to trial. Wow, And I was told by my mother's side of the family, my mother's side of the family who I literally went and put this man in jail for murdering my mother. And they said, we can't take you because you look like your father
2: and you were a kid
1: and that has a lot to do with the sexual trauma he had put their through their their daughters through. Wow. But even when I came out with the yeah. film and when I was had started my podcast a couple of years ago, they were very much like, "Well, why is he talking about this? And why is I don't understand why he can't just get over it." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, I am over it. I'm sharing this information because this information is important so this doesn't happen to someone else." Yeah. You know, sharing and having these discussions is it, it prevents further abuse. It and it shows people who have not experienced it or maybe think that they've experienced it, that it's okay, first of all, to feel this way and to be angry, but also it raises awareness so people can recognize these patterns of abuse, whatever it is, whether it's psychopathy, sociopathy, domestic abuse, you know, obviously sexual abuse and trauma. It's wonderful how they just sweep it under the rug, but they never do. No. That's the thing is it, it ends up manifesting itself in way worse ways.
2: hundred percent. A hundred percent.
1: So you obviously took all of this and turned it into a career.
2: Yeah. Which wasn't healthy either, really. (laughs) You know, it's like, I, I say all the time, I'm like, you don't wake up in the morning and say, you're like, I'm going to go do a car hit and like, everything's happening right in your brain. Just it's not, you know, but it was a good financial freedom for me Uh um, because I was struggling financially and it when i got my first film obviously it was a really good way for me to make my own money and pay off my bit, all the things and buy a home but i quickly realized and i talk about this in the book i got really badly hurt on like the third film that i did and cut my face 80 stitches but i wow. stayed at work i was like i'm doing this again i'm not going to the hospital i it was this psychotic way of thinking about it, right? Because any normal person would have been like, I need to go to the hospital and get my face figured out, you know. And I didn't. I waited six hours. I did the stunt four more times with like band-aids all over my face, completely ridiculous. And then went to the hospital six hours later and got stitched up. And and because I had waited so long, it turned into four surgeries after that because the skin started to heal. So there was a bunch of dirt trapped under. So I got my stitches out and then it would explode and then I'd have to go and get, so it was a whole thing. But that was kind of the cue for me to go back to therapy. Cause I was like, it's not normal for you to be standing. And it was, it was really, I just wanted the attention from everyone. Having people ask me if I was okay was something that I needed more than I ever realized until that moment.
1: Because you never had that.
0: Yeah. Do you think it was also a part of like For me, at least, it's easier to deal with, like, physical pain Mm. opposed to emotional pain. And that's why I've self-harmed in the past, Mm. you know?
2: Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do it outwardly or was it something that you kind of did for yourself and didn't talk about? Because I know every cutter is kind of different in that way.
0: So I am not like a person where I can actually like make myself bleed. I will scratch the surface mm-hmm. because for the like, I can't, I hate needles and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it would just be that. And then I would hit myself to be like Tara's bad girl. Mm. like I'm a bad girl. I shouldn't be doing this. Mm. And then there would be points where I would just hit myself and bang my head against the wall because I was just like, I've seen people do this on films. If they're able to kill their brain, then maybe I could just die and not be here. Mm. And like my mom, love her, but there's been times where it's triggered like my abandonment where that's where I want to go to because I think, if I lose this person or if I lose this, then I can't be here. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. And like this person disposed me. So like, why can't anyone else dispose me? And I'm just, you know, like forever getting victimized and we're breaking that cycle now, but like, it's hard. And what advice would you have for the people that are going through that self harm? And like, did
2: you have different techniques to work through that? Okay. I just can't ignore that. So sorry.
0: (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No,
2: don't ever apologize. Thank you for sharing that with me. I'm sorry that you felt that way about yourself. That's terrible.
0: Well, it happens. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it happens part of trauma too. And it's like, I related so much to your book because I was like, should I just be a
2: stunt person?
0: <laughs> that's feel better. No. But that's yeah. not going to work uh, out. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but it's interesting because I felt similar. Yeah. But for me, it was almost like validated because I was in a work situation and this okay. is what I did. Yeah. Like stunt people are supposed to be, you know, seen, not heard, which is very much like I was as a child. Right. Yeah. Well, I wasn't seen as a child either. So maybe not, but, You know, we get hurt and we don't say anything. And, you know, unless you have like a broken arm or something like that, you don't go to the hospital. And I remember even breaking my ribs on set and sort of like basking in that pain, like enjoying, enjoying the fact that I was hurting because I could, I could connect with that hurt where my emotional hurt was harder to connect with, yes. but my physical hurt was much easier to connect with. It's like, oh my God, my ribs are like hurting and I'm, br- and I can look down and see that they're broken and bruised. And, you know, now I have something that I have to take care of, but I wasn't connected enough emotionally. So I feel like it's very similar to what you're saying is what I was feeling as well is, yeah. is I was getting some satisfaction out of that. Like I, I, I enjoyed bleeding on set. I enjoyed getting hurt, but not to the point where I couldn't work Yeah. to the point where I would get attention to the point where I could feel my pain. And I think that's the biggest thing I could feel my pain
0: Okay. And for
2: so long. I disassociated my pain. So I never actually fully felt it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What did you do to like work through and process that?
1: There, by the way, there's there's tissues there. there.
2: <laughs> sorry. No. Oh, I have one. Oh, we don't say sorry. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, there's one for her. It's <laughs> <laughs> your fun. It's so much, right? Oh, yeah. I I don't know. I feel like I'll get back to you on that question because I'm still, and that's the thing too with doing my book and and speaking about things. And I'm sure you feel this way too. It's like you're still doing the work. I feel like we'll forever be doing the work. It's just different stages of the work right? and different stages of where we're at and what we're processing. So the bad news is I don't think it ever goes away. (laughs) I used to have hope. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm just sort of like, oh no, it's not going to ever go away. And now I have a daughter who I'm watching grow up and that's been the hardest thing for me. Not having her, it's been the best thing I've ever done. But to s- actually see a seven year old kid, an eight year old kid who's my daughter, and to like imagine the horrific things that were happening to me at that age is really hard.
0: You'd be like, I fucking kill everyone. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like the innocence yeah. and like the, her happiness and all the things. And I just, I just can't, will never be able to fathom. Somebody who's capable of hurting a child.
0: I agree. Like,
2: that makes me
0: literally want to become like a Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, let's get them all out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because, like, I agree. Like, no girl, no child, no one should ever go through something like that. And the innocence, it's like <sighs> you grow so much mm. and then you're like, <laughs> don't hate me for saying this but when i took my virginity away i was like how come my hymen's not broken Uh, yeah (laughs) you know and you're like oh i don't know yeah yeah call you have questions
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm just over here making sure the sound is okay
2: (laughs) yeah and i think that's where we find our our chosen family and our chosen just people that we surround ourselves with because the work that you guys are doing and that i'm you know trying to now do in the world is so important because So many people have gone through so much trauma and don't feel like they're strong enough to speak about it or they don't have any sort of platform to speak about it from. And I've gotten countless messages, as I'm sure you have through the years with with your stories of people that, you know, I told my uh, husband for the first time that I was abused by my father and we've been together for 30 years, you know, things like that. Because you speaking out gave me the strength that I could speak yeah. out to. And that's worth everything. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm not very good with Instagram. And I remember discovering the all messages on the, on the, the uh, restage requests. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it was like a thousand, two thousand of them, and they were like, oh, "I saw your movie, and I was very inspired." And then it's like very rarely was somebody like, "Yeah, my dad murdered my mom," and so I'm, I'm right there with you or whatever. Yeah. Most of them were people who just suffered massive sexual uh, trauma abuse as a child then that segued into abusive relationships in early adulthood and then into later adulthood for a lot of people, which then sometimes manifested into like drug addiction and homelessness or these afflictions that are self-inflicted mm-hmm. and, and because they haven't gotten a hold of that trauma. Mm-hmm. It seems like you were lucky to, to catch yourself in that way. And even though it's really difficult, mm-hmm. and we're, we're all still processing mm-hmm. all of this. What do you say to someone who, when they reach out to you, when they're, when they're trying to really process this, maybe they, maybe they've been gaslighting themselves for so long that this didn't really happen to me. Everything was fine. He was a great man or, or she was a great woman or, or what have you. What do you, what do you say when someone approaches you with that?
2: I find that the people that are struggling the most are the people that are still in contact with the people that hurt them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the roughest thing because most of the time it's the family. Yeah. So it's that break and I'm not going to tell anybody that they need to walk away from their family. That's something that they need to come to, you know, the decision themselves, but I will say that you cannot heal around the people that hurt you and that continue to hurt you. It just isn't possible. And it took me my whole life to see that but now that I am on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that it's forever. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to ever speak to my mother again or my father again. Um, but for right now, for me to be able to really look at everything for what it was, which means I can heal everything for what it was. I cannot be around them. And it's interesting. My father reached out to me about a month ago, which was weird because I thought I had blocked him. Just saying, he really wanted to see me. I really want to see you. And and I realized I had never asked him if he read my book. So I asked him, Dad, did you read my book? And he answered, not that question. Something mm. else said something else. <laughs> it's deflect, 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 <laughs> deflect. Um, and then I wrote again, Did you read the book, Dad? And he said to me, um, His wife read it and she thought it would be too hurtful for him to read so he wasn't going to read it and that just says everything and like when i read the message i said to myself that kim that just tells you everything everything you need know. to that and my mother leaving boxes on my in my garage and that just tells me everything i need to know and it goes back to the radical acceptance right yeah. i'm i'm not angry with them i don't agree with how they've chosen to deal with their trauma but I'm not going to spend my time being angry when I could put it into my healing and into my daughter and into my husband. I just accept that they're where they are and I can't change it. And I'm not going to bang my head against the wall for the rest of my life trying to change it.
1: And isn't that an absolutely 100% liberating thing yes. when you realize that it happens? Yes. In my films so my father, you know, I'm. I want to know why he murdered my mother. Yeah. And he just can't tell me. It's a whole, the whole, literally the whole reason why I moved to LA was to tell the story. I became a cinematographer. I learned about filmmaking. I teamed up with a two time Oscar winner, said, This is the story I want to tell. And then, literally, literally sitting in that room with my father in prison with cameras, wow. confronting him, just like we are here, like, t- I want to know why you did it. Like, what? Because there was no reason to do it. Right. And he just couldn't tell me. And I remember thinking at that moment, and not to make this about me, but, but, I remember in that moment, just thinking to myself, you were looking for this one piece of closure Mm -hmm. or that you're going to get this answer. And I just had to talk about this and like, what if the answer that you seek is not the answer that you need? And Mm -hmm. that really is it. You're like, they're never going to accept it. They're never going to admit it. They're never going to see it your way. Mm -hmm. They're going to deny or they're going to, and that's okay. And we have to be accepting of that because people have these uh, insane ideas about closure. Oh, well, we'll get justice or that person will go to prison for the rest of their life. So then because we want like the quick fix, nobody really wants to do the work. And I see that and I think to myself, that is so not what it's about. Right. Because you have to come to this, like an alcoholic has that moment of clarity or whatever. Like You just have to come to a realization that this is what it is. And this is good enough. And people that press you for that, it's like, you don't, if you know, you know, yeah. if you don't understand yeah. until you walk in my shoes, until you know what I go through. And by the way, it's okay if, if if I don't talk to my father or it's okay if you don't talk to your family. It's your journey and they've chosen not to to walk with you in that. Right. They. It's too hard. Then it means they're at fault. Whatever their issue is, it doesn't matter. Yes. <laughs> and i think that we hang on to that with for dear life like oh i'll get that closure and once you realize that it's not about that it's about you you know it's about the individuals went through what is your experience don't let them control your life
2: completely yeah
1: even people who disguise themselves as allies you know
2: yeah yeah which happens a lot in dysfunctional families as well it does
1: absolutely because they'll take it to a certain point and then they
2: yeah yeah. And when I got my book deal, I felt like I needed to call everybody and make sure that everybody was okay with me telling my story. And now in the space I'm in now, I'm like, Kim, it was the most ridiculous thing. Like you're asking permission from the people who created this world for you, if you could write about it. But at that point I was like, I just wouldn't want to make sure everyone's okay. And I had to show up to every single one of my family members as somebody different because. I knew what they could handle and what they couldn't handle. So it was like trying to please everyone and, and say the right thing and do the right thing. And it meant something different for everybody. And it's exhausting. Oh, it's it exhausting. is. exhausting. Yeah. That's part of the reason why I haven't written a book yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you should. Thanks. But you know, people are like, what are you going to say about me? Make sure you say good things about me. Oh, like, what about this? Maybe don't mention that. I'm like, uh, I'm like, I want to be authentic. <laughs> yeah,
2: and maybe you should have treated me better if you wanted me to talk about you in a nice way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Did you self-publish?
2: No, HarperCollins published. Harper Collins. Yeah. Okay. Fabulous. I love that. Yeah.
1: So what has the response been with the general public with the book?
2: Amazing. Yeah. Um, strangers, as you know. You get the most love from strangers who yeah. have walked similar paths or have had trauma. And... I haven't heard from one person in my family, maybe one or two people in my family that have read my book, but I have a big family and not from anybody, nothing, nothing, which is crazy to me, but not really. Actually, I stopped saying that too. You have to stop saying that. Like, that's, I can't believe it. That's so crazy. No, (laughs) it's like, you know, you do that to yourself. Like, can't believe they said that. Actually, I can believe they said all of the things. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: And then you mentioned earlier that you're doing different types of psychedelic
2: treatments. Would you be able Mm -hmm. to talk
0: about that a little bit?
2: Yeah. Um, So very early on when I I got my book deal, I reached out to Dr. Matei, who's incredible, and we formed a friendship and he endorsed my book. And he asked me if I had ever done psychedelic treatment, which I hadn't. And I sort of said no to him because I wasn't really... You know, I'd done drugs in my 20s and I was like, I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, But I'm a mom now. Yeah, I'm a mom. This is kind of weird. But he set me up with a doctor and it's actually the way that they do it. We do therapy for a month before and then do the journey. It's one day you're she comes to my house. We do the journey. Um, The first one I did was just MDMA. I think my first two were just MDMA. Then I did MDMA, psilocybin and ketamine all not at exactly the same time, but throughout the day. Um, and it literally rewires your brain and they're using it for PTSD patients, for people that have been in war. Um, and it's having phenomenal results and hopefully it will be legal soon. Um, and I literally feel like it has rewired my brain and helped me access memories that were really deep down that I don't think I would have been able to access just on my own.
0: So ladies, I might be doing a GoFundMe me for that treatment. Now. <laughs> I heard it's a good time, but pretty pricey if, especially with, you know, the experts
2: out there. Yeah, it depends. You can find people that are, I know people train under my doctor and you could probably get somebody who's, you know, um, those treatments like those are cheaper okay. than, um, than the, uh, Full on experience. The full, like the four day thing. They're cheaper than that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I
0: heard there's like a couple websites and they're around like 175
2: a month or something like that. To do like a month for... Like a month of ketamine treatment. Oh, okay. I know there's a lot of facilities that do it.
0: Okay. My
2: biggest thing, especially when you've been through a lot, is finding a doctor that you really trust and that you have a connection with. Okay. Because otherwise I don't think when you, when you start to feel the medicine, that was such a huge thing for me. Cause I had built a relationship with her and I really trusted her. Absolutely. And my first journey, I must've said to her a million times, which is so interesting because I had connected with my inner child and it was this whole experience. And I kept saying to her, like, you believe me, right? You believe me. Right. And it just made me realize how much I needed an adult to tell me that they believed me. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I don't know about the websites, Terra for the 175. I feel like it's like Ozempic, <laughs> like everybody's jumped on Ozempic. Get your GLP-1. <laughs> Get the skinny shots. Yes. So, uh, you know, but I, I'm, I'm glad that it's had a, a profound effect on you.
2: It has, yeah.
1: And do you feel that your writing became much clearer after that?
2: We were almost done with the book when oh, I... Oh, I thought you
1: said you started when you got the deal. Or you'd uh-huh. already finished the book.
2: We hadn't quite finished it. So the the last part of the book is about my journeys, the very last part. So we were almost done with the book. So I was able to put some of it in there, which I think was great for everything to sort of come full circle. But yeah.
0: When I read your book, a couple of things stood out to me. I was like, holy shit, I want to be best friends with her. (laughs) (laughs) And also... (laughs) And I mentioned this to you earlier, but I'm like, oh, I love Cameron Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> and she endorsed her book
2: and, and you know, she wrote the foreword, yes. yes. Yeah.
0: And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yes. That's a great, you know, great energy. And it's so funny. Have you heard of Goop? Yeah. They have the uh, Cameron Crunch Salad. And I've got that a few times. It's a good salad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's a good salad. Yeah. She's a great cook, actually. Oh,
0: I love that. She's an
2: amazing cook. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Those were the things that stood out to me. I was like, okay, I want to be best friends in Cameron Diaz. So (laughs) great book if you guys want to check it out. (laughs) Everyone's going to pick up something different. Yes. A hundred percent.
1: Tara got starstruck. There you go. That's Okay. (laughs) So, how long have you been working in the biz as a stunt woman? Twenty years. Twenty years. Yeah. Yes. So, would that have been when the mask came out? No.
2: No. God been... no. She was twenty one when she did, or she was twenty when she did that. No. Um, we met on um, What Happens in Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah, the mask was twenty, thirty, one, four. Was uh, over thirty years yeah, ago. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. No, don't it's crazy. Us, uh, no, I know. Crazy. That's it, we could say twenty. Yeah, twenty-ish. Yeah, twenty something.
0: <laughs> well i feel like this
2: is the perfect note to wrap up on where can we find you on social media everything i only do instagram and i have the longest handle on the planet it's kimberly shannon murphy stunts and you can there's a link there where you can buy the book glimmer if you want to read it perfect yeah
1: well kimberly i always say to tara we are all part of a squad that no one really wants to be a part of yeah but we are all a part of the Survivor Squad. Kimberly Shannon Murphy, thank you so much for joining us in a live taping.
2: Thank you so much for having me. And I'm actually wanna be part of the squad.
1: Well, Tara, that's a lot.
0: Oh, yes. I felt like this one really hit close to home and I was really happy to have you next to me during it for that support, you know, the support for interviewing a survivor and because these stories are rough. She even cried with me over stuff that happened to me. And when it's so similar, the experiences that we had, it's going to feel different than say, someone that comes on and their sibling was murdered. It's going to feel more intimate and more close to home.
1: Yeah, obviously different trauma resonates with different people, right? and yes. that's always something that you know you have you have to keep in mind and and you know everybody is unique and different I, one of the things that hit close to home with me is you know she wrote this book to share her story and of course she was you know became a pariah with her family for wanting to share something that happened to her and share her experiences with the world to help them heal And I face the same thing. Some people just don't get it. And some people also don't want to deal with it either. Yeah, They just think that they just sweep it under the rug and it'll just go away. And I think that's what, you know, she talks a lot about that with her siblings and her family. That's something that definitely resonated with me.
0: Yeah. No, I don't know what it feels like to have that happen. And I really empathize with you with that. Mm -hmm. You know, you always have a family with my family and also with Survivor Squad. And I know that that doesn't make up for anything, but I hope you... Like that a little bit.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Tara. We hope that you guys found a lot of inspiration in Kimberly's story today. And we will have links to all of her stuff in the show notes of today's episode.
0: On that note, survivors, I'm Tara Newell.
1: And I'm Collier Landry.
0: And this is the Survivor Squad podcast.
1: We'll see you guys. Bye. The Survivor Squad podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad.